there is no rest for the wicked. And as you know us, Rich and I, we are going to be here on this holiday weekend. The Turkey Day slate is behind us. That was a fun slate. Rich and I both had some sweats. We might talk about that a little bit here shortly. Uh, but we move on to a full slate, even with the three games on Thanksgiving, even with a Friday game. We've got no bye weeks this week, so we've got a full slate to talk about for Sunday. So with that, we're going to jump right in. Rich will be with us here shortly. Welcome to Searching for Ceiling, presented by One Week Season and Sharp Football Analysis. One Week Season. Oh, I think you muted yourself. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> we're back, baby. This it's not we're not back until I start talking with a muted mic. So now we know we're back, baby. Uh this comment right here gets my juices flowing. Um, because about half I get like about half and half split comments between like Hilo, you talk too much, and Hilo, like this is the one of the cool ones. Let Hilo cook. So I appreciate that, Mr. Bagley, 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 Bagley. Uh not sure, man. Sorry, I butchered that. But uh, we are back, dude. We had this awesome like break midpoint in the season-ish Thanksgiving slate that we get every season. Uh, it is one of my. It is yes, I know, I know. I'm sorry, guys. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, because I I've been muting myself a lot because I've been sick. You might notice my voice is still a little jacked up. Anyway, we press on. But we had this awesome Thanksgiving slate, dude. Um, I love it. It's the probably the most game theory heavy slate that we have on the entire uh, season. Um, why is that? We get that Bagley. Thank you. There it is. Uh, Bagley. Appreciate that. Um, we get more information with each game because games are not being played concurrently. So we get kind of sequential. We have a half hour, 45 minutes between games to reevaluate, take the information that we've got, make new decisions. Um, Rich, how did your Thanksgiving slate go? And uh, welcome first. Welcome back to you. Yeah. Happy holiday to everyone. There's a, there's also a black Friday game, you know, thanks NFL. Uh, if you want to get it, get down to that, we got Tim Boyle uh, going here. Oh so yeah. It was, it was great. It, you know, the games were great. We had what all three games went over, uh, which, which is fun. We haven't had a lot of primetime game. I don't know if those all count as primetime games, but we count them. They're Island games. A lot of Island yeah. games haven't gone over. Uh, yeah, I had a real nice sweat going in. Uh, my, my wife had come down when the game was, I think it was, man, what were the Niners up at one point? Like 31 to 3 or 24 21 to 3. To, 21 to 3 for 24 to 3, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, do you want to watch some? I'm like, no. Nah. I was like, we got to watch the end of this. I was like, I want to watch this. I was at that time, I was first in, in one of the one of the snaps. And I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. trying to hang on here. I got ran down and finished second uh, by a Charbonnet team. And that last drive, he caught a few dump offs. And uh, I got run down. But we cooked it, yeah. And, uh, you know, I see in the chat, yeah, I played uh, the – it was a Jordan Love stack that actually got me there with CMC and Debo Samuel. And I just had a feeling it was going to be a Debo game based on how the Seahawks play coverage. And uh, we got yeah. – they dusted him off last night. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I uh, I, I entered 75 entries into the uh, into the Millie because I just like – I because the edge is so great, I think, on that slate – I like to like just swing for the fences. So I play the Millie every year, uh, which I don't mm -hmm. normally do on normal slates. Um, and I had, I had a lot of the right pieces. I did not have, I had Watson. I had uh, Curtis Samuel. I had 80% Debo, 80% CMC. I 100% Dak and I 100% CD with him. So 
Uh, it did not come together because CD obviously underperformed his expectations there. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Sunday, man. Yeah, uh, we have more a- games, more more games, more slates. I I brought up yes. a couple weeks ago too that you know this is always a stretch where I always feel like more confident, right? Like I've always checked my in history. December has always been my best DFS month, uh, and you know I've, I've, I'm feeling good about where we are these last few weeks, and it feels like we're ready to close the season, you know, pretty strong again. Yeah, so I I was the same way. My typically my most profitable area of the season is the first four weeks, um, and then uh, the second most profitable is once we have these established trends like we are like we do now, uh, which I think is what you were referring to by this being your most profitable is we have the information, we have some data where we can kind of make these decisions. Um, but that I put in so much work during the off season that typically those first four weeks are kind of like my bread and butter. Uh, and this week has been, or this season has been no different. Crush the first four weeks, extreme lull the next four weeks where I was messing around with the MME stuff. Um, and now kind of back into like, I've had a milli sweat. We've, we've had some sweats uh, the past few weeks. So with that also notable for me anyway, my personal habits is we've got the 555 milli this weekend, which is pretty much my favorite contest ever invented. Um, I, it, it's a beautiful mix between um, the MME bros and being able to like throw four or five entries into it for, you know, my single entry three max crowd, which I very much am. So I'm excited about that. We've got a great slate. Uh, we've got an interesting slate. We'll just leave it at that. It is. And that post Thanksgiving slate's always interesting because you have, and this year we have the Black Friday games. Well, four games are already gone, like have already been played. Plus, you have the Sunday, yeah. Sunday night game. So it is a, and you know, obviously they want to try to move some of those teams around this weekend for market purposes. So, like, you've got yeah. markets that are available, but they did leave us a couple hot, hot ones here for, for us to attack. Yeah, and the kind of governing theme about this slate is the median game total is down again. We've talked about that multiple times this year, what that kind of means from like developing your game plan. 30-point fantasy production games are probably going to be harder to come by on this slate for Sunday because the median game total is down. So teams are going to be scoring less points. That means less opportunities for those 30-pointers to develop. We saw that last main slate. Um, where it was like if you had to have the three wide receivers that put up 30 points or you were not shipping tournaments. Um, this slate kind of has a similar feel. And you look at kind of why I can say that. We've got three games that have a game total, or four games, sorry, that mm-hmm. have a game total around 36 points, which last year we would have scoffed at completely. Like, what is going on with this? This year, this is the this is our new norm. This is our this is our life. <laughs> We've adjusted. Like, we have we have adjusted, but that said, we've got a nice little game total of 47 and a half here with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. We've got a very interesting game that we're for sure going to talk about today. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting Indianapolis Colts at 44 and a half. We've got the Rams and the Cardinals who are both not rolling over and dying at 44 and a half. And then the quote unquote game of the week is going to be that um, AFC NFC showdown between the Bills and the Eagles. We also have the Chiefs here playing uh, with a like relatively low for them spread of eight and a half. So, um, what are you seeing from yeah, the macro yeah, of the slate? I want to talk slate? about that one too. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're, there are some games we need to talk about. Um, what do you What are you feeling from like the macro feel of this slate? Yeah, the first thing I always look at in every slate is kind of how where I think like the the puck is going to slide to in terms of like meta like roster construction, right? 
And this particular slate, like we don't really have like any like pay up running backs, right? Like the old school team jam them in. Uh, yeah. Where like you know even McCaffrey has probably come in relatively under owned for the seat on a regular basis to where he should have been owned. Like we probably should be jamming in Christian McCaffrey more than we have been this year. Uh, and but that really hasn't been the way DFS has been played this season and this week in particular with the amount of teams that have been removed from the slate already. There just isn't a lot of that front end running back production where like guys like you're like vehemently like excited to play. There's we can sink our money into Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley or Travis Etienne for like some volume stuff, but like none of those guys are particularly objectively like great plays, right? Yeah. Like, like I, it's pretty easy to tear down all those spots. And then with the wide receivers kind of being in the same boat, like we do have a couple really good wide receivers, but then we have a lot of question marks underneath like the top tier of like, you know, Stefan Diggs and uh, Arthur Juan. Like where are we going to allocate salary to? Because there's, it's really these top two quarterbacks, right? Like it's going to probably be a front end quarterback slate where Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are just going to be kind of everywhere this week. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I think people are going to start this week is that there's just, they're, they're going to look at the running back position and say, Oh, I'm probably going to build around like two or three guys that are just like median type of guys. Uh, and hopefully I, I run into the like luck box and some touchdowns and some production. And then you'll probably take one of those high price receivers, pending which quarterback you picked, uh, uh, you know, to go with. And that's how people are going to start building their lineups this week. Yeah, that's a great shout. <clears throat> we'll talk about kind of that macro perspective. Uh, real quick, quick question that came in. Which Jets player do you use tonight? Uh, there's some interesting, I mean, the, the best on paper play is going to be Brees Hall. Um, particularly now that we can expect him to see a little bit more, uh, pass clear passing down usage. Um, we saw Dalvin kind of shift into that, um, that, that role that was vacated when they released, um, who the hell they released. Michael Carter. Was a, yeah. Michael Carter. Thank you. When they released Michael Carter, Dalvin was kind of that, um, passing down back. And then it was Izzy Abanaconda that was the kind of change of pace between the tackles guy. But we should expect, um, we should expect Brees Hall to kind of step into a little bit more of the clear passing down role, um, potentially seeing some two minute offense stuff, which would be great. We saw it on the, the end of the second half um, last weekend, or sorry, the end of the first half before Zach Wilson got benched. Uh, we saw Brees kind of handle that role. So it's Brees. Um, there's also, I mean, Xavier Gibson is priced at 800. We're talking showdown real quick. Xavier Gibson is priced at 800. He saw his highest snap rate of the season last week. Um, you have uh, Ruckert, the secondary tertiary, maybe tight end, but he's seeing some increased role. Um, if they're kind of turning this season into a let's plan for the future stuff. He was a 2022 second or third round draft pick, I think, um, the tight end there. Uh, there We saw we saw Jace or uh whatever Brownlee, I forgot his first name, Brownlee, we saw him actually see some snaps. So they're very clearly and evidently looking to some youth to try and see what they have for the future. So those are some interesting guys to keep your name on, uh, on your radar. Any quick shouts for the Jets side of today's game? <laughs> no, I mean, it's rough. I mean, it's, and obviously you have to pick some of these guys. So like, yeah, yeah Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline. <laughs> Greg Zerline. He said FanDuel, so I don't think kicker. That, that's oh, the, no, FanDuel. Kickers yeah. aren't, aren't available, right? It's just defense um, So on FanDuel. I'm, so I, I'm a terrible showdown slate, slate player because it's the same thing. It's why I'm a bad MME player is because I 
struggle to like to make like objective like decisions that are bad right like i'm an evidence-based player and like yeah. i feel like people and you know people that have like their brain is geared for that like you know guys like cody made like they're so good at like exploiting the edges in terms of construction on showdown and mme stuff and like that my brain's just not wired that way it's why i suck at it yeah yeah like yeah, i'm like sure. i can like i like i'm not playing emmanuel gibson like what are we like what are we doing like, yeah, like <laughs> what are we doing here like you know <laughs> yeah i dig it uh yeah to answer yeah. that question I, it's Brees Hall. if you're like forced into i mean obviously we have to be forced into one at least jets player um it'll be interesting from a game theory perspective to see uh, and i haven't even looked at ownership for that game but to see what the expected ownership is on tim boyle um versus the miami defense so that that'll be your <laughs> like um one of the key points on the that showdown slate anyway we're going to look at the, I think we'll go first to the game that you said you want to talk about here, which was that Kansas City game. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing from this spot. Yeah, I just think this is a really interesting spot for the context of this slate in particular, because that Bills-Eagles game is going to draw so much inherent ownership and at the quarterback position. And then we have that early game that people are going to see what they get at one o'clock between Jacksonville and uh, Houston that yep. man like we're probably gonna have a spot where like Patrick Holmes is like a legit pivot play this week and I don't know how much he'll be owned obviously he's on this streak where he's on this three-game slide where he hasn't been effective obviously everyone's talked about the Chiefs haven't scored a point in their last three games in the second half yeah but this this is a particular spot where it is set up for him to do well I mean the, the Raiders are an extremely passive defense they don't blitz a lot they play a lot of zone coverage they don't really pressure the quarterback a ton uh, and when Mahomes still hasn't been pressured, he's been really excellent. I mean, he's completing 75% of the passes, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, they're not blitzing at all. And, like, this is the one – this is, like, the first year of Patrick Mahomes' career where, like, if you can disrupt him with the blitz, like, he's actually had a problem. It used to be a big no-no. Never blitz Pat. Yeah. But, I mean, he's really struggled this season against the blitz. Um, and it's probably just be due to, like, his, his you know, his – uh rapport with these guys in the receiving game right like lack of rapport i should say but yeah. the raiders are still a team when you look at they're very opponent driven uh they, they like when they give up yardage and efficiency so obviously we're going to see josh allen and jalen hurts be really popular i think we'll see cj stroud be popular uh trevor lawrence will be interesting so like it probably is an interesting spot here where pat becomes a legit pivot play at, and, and he's in the late games too so like it, it's yeah interesting spot we're also probably some significant recency bias associated with them as well. Yes. We had Marquez Valdez Scantling drop the would be go ahead touchdown with two minutes remaining their last game. You had, you actually had Travis Kelsey drop two passes both on that final drive, uh, which kind of put them behind the sticks as well. We're not used to seeing Travis Kelsey dropping balls. We had Justin Watson see what 11 targets and he dropped three of them. Uh, one in the first half and two in the second half. If my memory serves me correctly. Six drops in a game in an NFL football game is not, <laughs> not common. And it, we don't, we're not used to seeing that. So that's going to leave a sour taste in people's mouths as well. Um, anytime you can play Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, plus maybe one other guy uh, I, at low ownership, I think it has to be on our radar. So I like that shout a good bit. Um, Pacheco smash spot. It is never really a Pacheco smash spot because he is a guy who is almost always going to see 15 to 17 running back opportunities. Can a guy smash knowing that we need a hundred yards and two scores or a hundred yards and one score with like something like three for 30 receiving potentially 
far from a smash spot. What are your thoughts on Pacheco here? Yeah, I think he's more of like a cash game play, particularly on FanDuel settings because there's no bonuses implied. Obviously, he's only had the 100-yard rushing game. Uh, yeah. and, he, and it's more touchdown driven where he's not going to, he does catch some pass. He's catching more passes this year, but he's yeah. not a guy that has like these games where you're getting a lot of fives and sixes. It's a lot of like twos to fours. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, and he's, and he's priced really more palatable. He's 6,600 on FanDuel, 6,200 on DraftKings, right? So like anytime you have a player that is his archetype and his price nearly the same on a, that on like a site that's more favorable to him. Like he stands out more as like a, uh, a guy you can play as part of like your core cash build. If you're playing cash on FanDuel, as opposed to being a guy, like you really want to chase like a lot of upside with it. 6,200 on DraftKings because you're probably not going to flirt with either bonus. And if you're not going to flirt with either bonus, like he has to score probably multiple touchdowns for you to get there. Yeah, and that's an issue with a guy like Pacheco playing on a team like the Kansas City Chiefs where they have extreme red zone pass rates. Um, I mean, it's no coincidence that he has scored four touchdowns this season and three of them have come on the ground. That's kind of what we expect. It's very, very difficult for a guy like Pacheco in playing in Kansas City uh, to score multiple touchdowns. So that's kind of the overall macro perspective of that. Um, anything else, any idea of, are you going to be looking to attack the Raiders side of this game as well? Probably not. I mean, Antonio Pierce, like we've seen this story, like he even complained about how many times they threw the ball last week. Yeah. Uh, we know that he wants this line. Like he's got that mentality, right? Like we've seen a lot of these defensive head coaches come in and want to do this. It's just play boring football, established run, have Aiden O'Connell not really beat them. At least Devante shown some signs of life the past couple of weeks. But I think yeah. when I look at it from like an, uh, from the chief side, it's more of I'm going to be monitoring ownership and seeing where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are. And then I'm going to be using that as a spot to maybe on some of those teams where like if I play one offs, like let's say like if I play like a Michael Pittman at one o'clock or a Josh Downs or, you know, just anyone that like a Tank Dell or whatever. And like these guys maybe get there. I might be looking to come for like the chief side to have more access to ceiling on those rosters versus the teams that have the Josh Allen's and the Jalen hurts. Right. Like that's where I'm just going to be monitoring. It's something I'm going to be monitoring because obviously a patch of is just going to be, you know, around 20%. And I don't think he's going to get there anyways, you know, 15, yeah. 20%, but it's just a situation I want to monitor because like you said, the recency bias, the heavy ownership of the quarterbacks in that other game, like everything points to saying like, this is just something don't overlook it. Yep. Where I am honestly most intrigued with this spot is the Kansas City defense. Um, we have obviously they've they're on the road, they're not at Arrowhead, but this defense is extremely underrated. One thing to keep in mind, uh, or to keep track of tabs of is Legarius Sneed. Um, is he fully healthy? I know he was banged up um in their game this past week. They're on a short week, all that stuff matters, but um their defense here uh, is a defense that is generating organic pressure on their own. They're playing a uh, Raiders defense or offensive line that has not really performed well in pass blocking a little bit uh, more middle of the league in run blocking metrics, but uh, which is also interesting how Josh Jacobs has struggled so much this season. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'm not really looking to the Raiders what a great, here. What a great price on DraftKings for the Chiefs. Yeah. 30 they're, the highest, for the Chiefs. they're the highest price defense on FanDuel and they're like the, oh my goodness. They're like the 14th highest price. Yep. Yep. So that, that sticks out to me. That's a great shout. Let's looking, comparing Ooh. those prices and salaries uh, between the two sites. 
Chiefs. Uh, they might. I haven't looked at ownership. Have you looked at expected ownership on DraftKings for the Chiefs defense? Uh, no, I haven't really uh, dove into the projected ownership just because the way this week has kind of uh, played out with the yeah, yeah, yeah. And being tied up and trying to get catch up this morning. I'm gonna you check it out real quick. In the house, you know. Yes, it's been. Uh, this is it's while this is like my favorite week of the season. It is also the busiest, <laughs> obviously from um, the content pro uh, production side as well as just family stuff. Uh, so it's looking like the Patriots and the Chiefs are both expected to be over twenty percent owned. This yeah, I mean that thirty one hundred uh, for uh, a defense that's been elite, right? It's not matchup based. It's not yeah extremely matchup driven. Yeah, I'm showing them now when I look at it as the them on DraftKings to be the highest projected roster. Okay. So that would make sense. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, there there goes that idea. Uh anyway, they are a good on paper play. Um, let's now move over to that game that we were talking a little bit about here. Uh the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Obviously, the nice juicy game total is going to lead to some interest in this spot. Um, but from what I'm seeing from now looking at ownership projections, Trevor Lawrence is getting all the love from this game after that nice game last week. Now we have CJ Stroud, who has kind of been lighting it up, who is not expected to garner much ownership at all. I am seeing under 5% expected ownership. That, my friends, would be a mistake. What are you seeing from this spot? Yeah, I see the same thing because, you know, pricing, obviously, Stroud's pricing, uh, the sites have finally adjusted. I would still argue yeah. Tank Dell, still very affordable, uh, <laughs> not quite exactly priced up to where he should be, although it's finally gotten there. Uh, I don't think He's there's over a player Nico for the first time. <laughs> right. I don't think there's a player I've played more in DFS this season than Tank Dell. I can't think of mm -hmm. it any season outside of the David Johnson CMC smashing, yeah. like I mean, I feel like I've had Tank Dell. We're in week 12, and I feel like I've played Tank Dell already like eight weeks as like a core player. Like it's like, what? yeah. <laughs> and I think that there's no reason not to play him again this week. I don't think that like there's a strong argument to go against him. Uh, yeah. You know, we've seen literally uh, anytime he's been on the field, he's been the wide receiver one. We talked about it. He, he's playing 75% of his snaps on the outside and that's where jaguars are 27th in you know yards lot per game to opposing wide receivers they're 25th in yards per target they've had a 7.9 percent touchdown rate to outside receivers also that includes tank dell going for 145 yards and a touchdown when these teams played in week three so i yeah. mean i find it hard to just get away from i mean the kid is just so good he's always open he has because like nico is great from like maybe if you say like a leverage stance because he gets those downfield targets but from his like a full field route tree usage perspective, like Tank Dell, there's a reason why he has leapt into the position of this offense that he is. It's because the guy just gets wide ass open all the time. Yeah. I mean, his numbers against zone coverage, and obviously the, the Jaguars are running heaps of zone, um, primarily cover two and cover three, which is important to note as well. Uh, but Tank Dell, I mean, he's sixth in um, – Fantasy points per route run against zone coverage. He is is fifth in receiving grade against zone. Um, he's sixth in uh, yards per route run at two point eight eight. That said, like Nico Collins is not far behind him in a lot of those metrics. And I think after now we have the great flipping of their salaries. <laughs> finally, they finally flip the, uh, each other. 
Um, Nico is a guy that's extremely interesting to me in this slate. And there's another guy on the other side of this game that I think is equally as interesting and makes a great pairing with something like, I mean, you could even go as far as CJ Stroud doubles and bring it back with one, uh, Kirk cut or not Kirk cousins, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Christian Kirk. Thank you. Sorry. It is a uh, holiday season. Um, but yeah, Christian Kirk, um, we know that the Texans are also playing heaps of zone coverage and Christian Kirk is typically the guy that we see used to exploit zone coverages for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, is he a guy that is on your radar from this game? Yeah, all of these guys are from the Jacksonville side. I mean, it's it's a real bummer because I want to really get to Evan Ingram because of how Houston's been exploited this year and Evan Ingram had a solid game against them. But it's just like yeah. his his lack of consistent usage in the red zone is such a deterrent uh, because like, am I just paying for seven for 60, right? Yes, like, he's, got two, <laughs> you are. He's, got, he's got two red zone targets. And because like we love to play these tight ends and these bringbacks against Houston and I want to get to Evan Ingram. I want to love Evan Ingram, uh, especially, you know, with Trey McBride probably going to be popular again. Dalton Kikade going to be popular. Like, I want to I want to be excited about Evan Ingram in this spot. But two red zone targets the entire season. There's as many as Brett yeah. Strange. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so hard. Uh, but, yeah, I like the receivers. I think Christian Kirk was still on the field the most of all the Jaguars wide receivers who was A. Jones come, coming back. I still think Ridley is like a, a guy that you can still be in on because of where Houston's giving up production to wide receivers. When these teams played earlier in the season, he had a self-sabotage game. He dropped a 35-yard touchdown. He had yeah. an opportunity. And nothing changed. I saw a lot of people bring up the like, you know, when Zay Jones plays, Christian Calvin Ridley hits. And like that, a lot of that is mostly happenstance. It's just that so Calvin Ridley is a player where he's being utilized by the Jaguars this season. He just gets high variance targets. He's, mm-hmm. he's getting a lot of his targets outside the numbers and downfield. And last week, those targets were caught. They were completed. And when those targets are completed, you have the opportunity for spike weeks. If you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and you look at their wide receiver production this year and you just sort by points scored in a game, he has their three highest scoring games this season. Now, he just mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of median games. They're either really good or really bad because of the types of targets he gets. So he's always going to be a tournament guy that has access to the types of ceilings that he had last week because of how he's utilized. He's used heavily in the red zone. He gets a lot of end zone targets. He's using vertical targets downfield. So like he's always going to have that upside and be in play for yeah. tournaments. It's not just because Zay Jones came back and he was you know yeah. used differently. That didn't happen. So even he, I think, is a guy you can – it feels point chasey with him and Lawrence, but the matchups do kind of signal like they should both be in play again. Uh, especially when we talk about Lawrence. I mean, obviously that'll just be an ownership thing. But like, you know, this Texans team, we talked about a couple weeks ago when they faced the Bengals. Like this is a team that was due regression from a passing touchdown perspective. And like, we're starting to see it. It's starting to come around. They've allowed four top 10 performances now in their past five games. We're talking guys like Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr. Like, you know, it's not like they're getting out here flooded by all these great quarterbacks. So it does make sense for Lawrence to still be on the board. I just think when it comes from like an ownership stance, if we're going to have a 10% delta between Trevor Lawrence and CJ Stroud, I'm absolutely going to want to play CJ Stroud. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. I love, you mentioned the, the, the talk of the town last week was like, Oh, Zay Jones is back. You play Calvin Ridley. 
I love like circumstantial statistics <laughs> like that. Like even yesterday we saw the, what was it? The, the wax, the lions playing with a wax and give us moon. That was fun though. That was just fun. Like, yeah. And it ended up like hitting and I was like, oh yes, these are the predictive metrics we need. Damn it. What are we even doing over here? I had here fun with that tweet. Like... Yeah. I had fun with <laughs> yeah. the wax and give us tweet. I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, yeah. This is uh, not surprising to be honest. We saw Brownlee, um, playing over Lazard in, once Tim Boyle came into the game. And I think this is a, a case of they are full mailing it in and seeing what they have for the future. Uh, enjoy that Alan Lazard contract there, New York Jets. I'm glad that Aaron Rodgers got him over for you. Uh, sorry, sorry, that was that was below the belt. I apologize. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this, uh, this game here with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston Texans, obviously we can go um, play this many different ways. This takes some salary, but something along the lines of here is an amazing starting point for a roster. We can do it a little bit uh, more comfortably this week because, like you said, at running back, who do we want to pay up for? Um, the big concern with us when we're thinking of through that discussion is there's probably going to be a solid chunk of rosters in play this weekend that are built like this, where you're looking for like, who is the most palatable guy? Uh, stop me when you're scrolling down. Who's the like most palatable guy that I can start playing in this mid range of running backs. So this is probably yep. going to be rather uh, common roster construction, uh, but it is viable on this slate. Nonetheless, yeah, drafting, uh, you're going to get a ton of uh, Rashad white, I think. Is going to be the like, yes a lot of core guy. He's got like a healthy median. He gets like all the touches. He's facing a team indoors that gives up a lot of touchdowns. I think we're going to see Rashad White be like the guy people hone around uh, for sure. Let's talk about that game now. Uh, that'll take us over to because this game is extremely uh, interesting and appealing to me. These are the two defenses that play the highest rates of cover three in the NFL. What does that mean to us? Typically against cover three, it allows a higher first read target rate. And we look at these offenses, who are those first reads? It's Mike Evans and it's Michael Pittman. Um, a little bit less so Josh Downs. He's kind of entering that conversation as the season has progressed. Um, but those two guys in particular, Mike Evans and Michael Pittman, are extremely interesting on this slate. Even more so if we expect guys like Rashad White and potentially um, we could see some ownership settle on Jonathan Taylor as mm -hmm. well. So how are you seeing this game? Is this a back and forth lights out shootout type environment? Uh, it involves the Colts. This is important. Uh, yeah, how yeah. are you seeing the spot? Yeah, both of these teams have kind of been our like like ugly duckling like crossover teams like all season for us. And now they play each other. Like there's yeah. been a lot of games where like we've been like doing buck stacks with who they play because they blitz a lot. They they play like you said a lot of single high for the like in the current contract like NFL meta. Mm -hmm. uh, they've had competent like actual like quarterback play this year, so they've been kind of fun. And they have a, co a condensed target tree, right? So they've been like a team like we've always looked at for like these game stacks. Colts a uh, very similar way, but like as this when you put these two teams together, a lot is going to be driven on just how well these quarterbacks play. Uh, but there is like yeah. a pro side to make for both of these guys being good. I mean, you look at uh, 
Baker struggles this year have come all against man coverage stuff, like and like pressure yeah. stuff. Like, so like we're not gonna get any of that. Not only do the Colts play like the most cover three in the NFL, they play the lowest rate of man coverage. So we probably won't see a lot of that. Uh, you know, he's he's ninth in the NFL in completion rate against cover three, seventh in quarterback rating. So it just gives us competency. The cool thing about this game is I like it because you can actually play like through this through the core of non-quarterbacks, but you also can go through the quarterbacks if you want to pay down. Because I do think that you just need either of the, the top guys just to not fail, right? Like, or to fail yeah. for you. Uh, and then you've got this asset. The only problem I have with that is the same thing we keep harping on. It's like, all right, you save the salary. Where are you using it? Yeah. Where is it going? I would say maybe you like that's where Travis Kelsey would come in, like on builds around these teams. Maybe you don't always have to stack Kelsey with Mahomes, but like you yeah. maybe use a lot of your salary you save for a Minshew or a Baker to add like a Kelsey to that to that team, right? Uh, but that's really it. Cause that, cause you can play this through that. You can save the salary on quarterbacks, but you can also play it through, like you said, just an easy mini. You can do a, a, a Mike Evans, a Michael Pittman, or do like a little core where you're doing Mike Evans, Rashad white, uh, Josh Downs, Michael Pittman, like stuff like that. Right. Obviously if, yeah. you, if you're playing two receivers, you inherently almost always want to add the quarterback because if those two guys are going to get there, like, uh, like you know, minshew has got to go along for the ride, but this, like, you don't necessarily, like I said, have to have to do that because the salaries like that you're going to save, isn't really going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We've seen, it's um, be a slightly leave money on the table too. Uh Oh, you can't do that, dude. That's in the bylaws. You're not allowed to leave more than 300 bucks. Just kidding, guys. Um, yeah, this is very, very interesting to me. Um, I had not yet like fully considered, I don't think, Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew, but now uh you got you got my juices flowing here. You got my 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 wheels and my head are spinning because you can do some very interesting things. You can um, especially on with Minshew, because we're looking at a Tampa Bay defense. Obviously, we've talked about Vita Vea, his importance to this run game. Uh, but with Vita Vea healthy and in the lineup. Uh, he is like one of the great run stoppers in the league. He is one of the great immovable objects <laughs> up there. In they the haven't allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back yet. Which is insane. That is like that you look at, I mean, and that makes sense. Like look at who their head coach is. Look at uh, how they oh, have yeah. Vita Vea. Um, this makes sense, right? But that said, they're playing a ton of cover one. They're playing a ton of cover three. And these teams are at least competent. We haven't even talked about the fact that the Colts are an extreme up-tempo offense. We haven't even talked about the fact that we have seen them be willing to attack an opponent's weakness um, with their current coaching regime, which very much is against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, through the air. So a lot of very, very interesting things. Um, Gardner Minshew, in that discussion from a theoretical standpoint, if you're playing him with Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman is not a guy that is very likely to push Gardner Minshew over that 300 passing yard bonus. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we've seen he has one game all season hitting the 100 yard threshold, and we know that came 14 targets. So we know he is a intermediate type role. We know he's a like prototypical X type wide receiver. We know that he needs extreme volume to kind of rack up the yardage. So who is the guy that is likely to add to the yardage that you need for a guy like Gardner Minshew. So all that discussion is kind of theoretically based to say that you almost have to double stack Gardner Minshew, I would say, if you're playing him uh, on the slate. But I think 
that is well within reason. And I think you can yeah. do that smartly. Um, who is your, is it Josh Downs or yeah. uh, is, I mean, I would love the, for Alex Pierce to be a thing, but I mean, you're, we're grasping like it's, it's yeah. more of like a, more of a step of faith. And like, it's so like, as a, as an objective recommendation, uh, I can't get there, but, uh, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be cool if he actually did something this year, but yeah, Josh, Downs for sure. <laughs> Josh Downs yeah. for sure is the guy. And, the, and, the, and we talk about like, uh, the, where the bucks are getting beat. I mean, you talk about like inherently, like when you have cover three and you have a lot of man coverage, I mean, that slot guy, that hot receiver is going to, you know, benefit. And we've seen, you know, that's where Josh Downs, it, it hits. That's where Tampa is giving up a lot of production. They're giving up kind of universal production to wide receivers, yeah. but they also are getting flooded from the slot. So yeah, I, I love Josh Downs and particularly cause he's, he was kind of out of sight, out of mind the last few weeks too. Obviously yeah, you don't yeah. find anyone through like DFS these days. Obviously everyone knows, like you're not getting anyone that nobody knows about, but he has been one of these guys that people were hot on for a number of weeks. And then he got like a knee injury, went on by. So like he hasn't been around. So maybe that helps us out here. I was sneaking him through in some spots. Yeah. there And there, it's also an interesting setup from this team. And we're going to continue talking about it because it's a very intriguing spot. The, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we know they blitz a lot. We know they struggle to generate pressure when they do blitz. And we know that they're near league average in man and zone coverages. But we know that they're primarily utilizing cover one in man. And we know that they're primarily utilizing cover three in zone. So you look at the splits of the pass catchers for the Colts. Michael Pittman is the dude against cover one and against man coverage for the Colts this season. He has... Uh, 0.51 fantasy points per route run versus man coverage. That is top 12 in the league. But Josh Downs is kind of emerged as the dude against zone and against cover three, where we talked about like first read. Both of these primary coverages that the, the, the Bucks play kind of harbor first read production, both against cover one and against cover three. So um, now that, that um, Josh Downs is kind of, emerging as a viable first read option in this offense. Uh, I think both of these guys, and it's kind of backed up by the numbers here. Josh down leads the team in fantasy points per route run in yards per route run in receiving grade and in targets per route run against zone coverage this season. So very interesting. I think you can do something fun like this mm -hmm. uh, and have uh, some salary left over to have some fun with as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Anything, are you at all interested? You mentioned Rashad White, any Chris Godwin love, any of these secondary options on Tampa? I mean, it, it, it's tough from like a stacking perspective. I mean, uh, Godwin's another one of these guys. I mean, he he does have really high target shares against, it contends target tree. We, we hit upon it. Like when against cover yeah. three, like he's right behind Evans kind of in target rate and targets for outrun. Like, but like we just haven't seen the like the, the the spike week potential for Godwin and you know maybe yeah. he, he, we do get there but he just hasn't been that guy that has that so like inherently like he's just not I mean he's what he, he hasn't reached 70 yards in a game since week six yeah uh, still has the one touchdown we've just kind of seen it all orbit around Evans and Evans is one of these guys I think and just he gets there more on like one to two targets that make a difference for his game uh, so I'm more focused on Evans still too, but if you do want to get, Hey, if you want to be creative, I can promise you Chris Godwin is not going to be highly rostered. Yeah. And uh, Mike Evans is also a guy that we should not let fall through the cracks for the fact that he has five double digit target games this season. So he's not just like yeah, this yeah. downfield type guy. Um, he can be that like um, out 
guy, that slant guy, that uh, double move deep nine route type guy. He kind of has a rather robust route tree and he continues to get it done this season. So he can be that like first read target guy just as much as Chris Godwin can here. Um, any I, love last- this, I love this game for like a lot of your like early kind of one-offs to build. And then you kind of know what you can do going into four o'clock. Like, because if you, ha- yeah. you touch that Josh Downs heater or that Michael Pittman heater, like you're, and you know what you kind of need to do coming in, you're good, man. Uh, yeah. And, and then if those guys fail, you also know what you need to do uh, by going to like Rams cards, like as a, as a away from Eagles bills. <laughs> yeah. And that's an interesting, that's an interesting side note because we have these four afternoon games um, with all the attention or not all of it, but a lot of the attention in the afternoon likely to be on this Buffalo Philly game. We also have the Rams and the, the Cardinals who have a moderate, plus type game total uh, for for this year's standards um and then we have the chiefs that you talked about earlier so let's talk about the buffalo bills and the philadelphia eagles real quick um is this simply a case of play the top options on each offense how are you seeing this one well i mean for the eagles it's very clear right like it's and now now that we removed dallas goddard from the equation it's more of what we saw last year uh, yeah. I mean, they did have Julio Jones on the field more, but, you know, more 11 personnel, but the ball does just it, Devontae Smith just gets more targets, right? That's like mm-hmm. consistently what has happened when Dallas Goddard hasn't played. I also think it's interesting too, is when you think like how the bills have defended wide receivers this year, the guys that have had big games against them have typically been the, the secondary wide receivers, the wide receiver one targets necessarily haven't really run out on them like the big games have come from like the t higgins uh i guess calvin yeah. ridley is like more of like a we could have an argument of like who you consider like the wide receiver one but like it has been these the, the more of the, the secondary guys i don't want to call it ancillary but the secondary guys which would be more signal too for Devonte smith to keep going but i mean obviously aj brown is good enough to get over on anyone especially when we're talking about two guys having 60 percent of the team targets right like yeah uh but yeah th- this that eagle side makes it a lot more clear um for me i think this is a fun game because is is this a game we can dust off gabe davis Uh (laughs) uh-oh i think it is (laughs) oh man i've been waiting dude can we wait to hate ourselves at four o'clock yeah yes you can um that's a very interesting theoretical discussion to have um in and of itself if you look at the games that gabe davis hits they are typically coming, and this is over the last two seasons. So we'll, we'll even throw it back to the last three seasons, his kind of demi-breakout season uh, two seasons ago. Um, over the last three seasons, when Gabe Davis has hit, so we'll just say, we'll just use it nice and easy like 4x salary multiplier. We know it's a lot more in-depth than that to dis- like decipher what hitting means in DFS. We'll just use that. Um in 90 plus percent of the games that Gabe Davis hits, so 4X again, just for this discussion, Stefan Diggs is also, quote unquote, hitting. So it's a different discussion when you talk about the elites of um, player pricing because hitting 4X salary multiplier is far less common in that range, obviously. Um, so this whole discussion kind of brings in this discussion of like what is important in DFS. There's so many things, but like if we're just primarily using salary multiplier, it is most applicable to like your mid-range players, your players that are priced below between 7,900 and 5K. The guys below that, you're all you're cared about is raw points. The guys above that, all you're worried about is raw points. The rest will work itself out. So if we keep that mind, that discussion, 
the definition of Stefan Diggs hitting is a little bit different than Gabe Davis hitting. But if Gabe Davis, the games where he is going for X, Stefan Diggs is historically has a very good chance of also hitting. So that is a very interesting discussion because a lot of the Gabe Davis ownership that we're expecting this weekend is probably going to be of the mini correlation, the, the correlated one-offs, um, the not or just paired naked with Josh Allen. The theoretical optimal way of playing Gabe Davis is exactly this. So that is very interesting. And to that point, we talked a little bit about this last week. Or were the were the Bills on the main slate last week? I can't even they remember. Were, uh, they played the Jets. On the main slate? Yeah, they were a 4 o'clock game. Okay, and so we game. would have. I know I talked about this uh, idea of the wheels, quote unquote, theoretically coming off for Josh Allen. Um, but that kind of, we saw that. And how we saw that? We saw three designed quarterback draws for Josh Allen last week. And that was something that we had not seen with Ken Dorsey calling plays. So is this a case of, yeah, they're going to be more aggressive with Josh Allen? I mean, all we've heard from Ken Dorsey all season is like, yeah, good job, Josh Allen. You checked it down there. You didn't take a hit and you didn't uh, you didn't throw an interception. It's like, that's not what we want Josh Allen to do, man. <laughs> we want Josh Allen slinging and taking off and running. That is what we want Josh Allen to do. And that is something that we could see a little bit higher frequency here. Uh, are you seeing the same thing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I think Josh Allen is it, – it really just when you're talking about picking the quarterbacks between these games, it comes down to just, I think, a health back there. Like, Jalen Hurts is clearly yeah. still – I mean, he's getting there for fantasy still. And I'm not saying that I will not be not playing Jalen Hurts. I will have Jalen Hurts tournament teams. But it, it just from you're talking about picking between these two guys, like we have a healthy Josh Allen versus a clearly limited Jalen Hurts to some capacity. Yeah. Um, you know, where we're relying on the tush push because it's it's interesting because his rushing touchdowns are literally all off of that, except for like they had a QB yeah. power one last week, which was like, oh, cool. He can still score touchdowns without the tush push. They're pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, but that's really what breaks the tie for me between these two quarterbacks is that Josh Allen is healthy and clearly Jalen Hurts is not. But I'm still going to be going through the Eagle side just inherently because I do want to get access to some of the pass catchers. I think this is a game where it's both passing sides, right? Like yep. the, we, we've got the Eagles have a, an elite run defense. So are we going to attack, you know, through like James Cook? Probably not. DeAndre Swift, the Bills have been excellent against the run for the past five weeks. Uh, they added Linval Joseph three weeks ago, uh, and they have had a lighter schedule, but like they're just not giving up explosives, which was their bugaboo early in the season. So they were a good yeah. run defense earlier in the year, but they were like they were had a great stuff rate. They were getting in the backfield, but then, then they would just give up like a barn door run. And yeah, like it, it was those, very those, weird. Yeah, those have evaporated the past couple weeks. Uh, the past five weeks, actually, they're 29th in our, our uh, they're seventh in the NFL in explosive rushing yards allowed to running backs over that span that I mentioned the five weeks uh, only 3.3 yards per carry obviously Swift's a guy that's kind of catuampus for DFS anyways like he needs touchdowns he has weird receiving yeah. usage he's just a tricky guy he's never a guy like I'm just not drawn, drawn to his archetype if he beats me he beats me is what I'm saying like if DeAndre Swift beats me so be it but this is a game I want to attack through the passing side the unfortunate part is all the the cheaper ancillary additions come through the Buffalo side because the Eagles are only throwing the ball to two players. Yeah, exactly. And that's an interesting uh, discussion as well on the, the Buffalo Bills run defense because 
through the first six weeks of the NFL season, I was scratching my head because they were a, around five yards allowed per carry, but they had the second fewest yards allowed before contact. It's like, yeah. how does that happen? <laughs> and it was exactly that. Their stuff rate was high, but they were allowing these splash plays against them where it was like every three rush attempts, they were giving up a run of 10 plus yards. It's like, what the hell's going on here? Um, obviously, they had some very key linebackers leave the season. They've had some secondary issues um, with injuries. Uh, but yeah, this this is not a, a spot where you would clearly and evidently want to be attacking them on the ground, um, despite what some of the top level predictive metrics are saying, because you start digging down, like you said, and it's very clearly a spot not to attack. So that kind of leads us back to what you were talking about. This is a spot where we could see some fireworks through the air. Um, yeah, I think the builds you have plus Devonte Smith is like where I'm looking like the, to, to, to build a team like yeah. this, this way, like through this game. Uh, that's like kind of what I'm looking at that core right there. We also have Dalton Kincaid, um, who we know his role with Dawson Knox out. We also have Cleo Shakir, who is going to probably catch some eyes for the box watchers, box score watchers out there. Um, either these guys that you're going to be looking to pepper in, or is it pretty much, uh, this core here? Yeah. I mean, that's my main core, but yeah, those two guys are in play. I mean, uh, Cleo Shakir is a guy, I mean, I just loved him as a prospect. So I'm just hanging on to like this, yeah. like. I'm just taking like this in this like past month and, <laughs> hopefully, and hopefully in two weeks when Dawson Knox is back, because the other thing too, is they also McDermott basically said Knox won't play this week. Uh, yeah. He's eligible to come off of IR, but they have a buy next week and they want to give him an extra week. So we're going to get another week of them playing more 11 personnel. And who knew that, you know, them playing more 11 personnel is better for this offense. Uh, we've been talking yeah, about that the entire, <laughs> entire season. But yeah, both those guys have great matchups though. Uh, so I'm fine with it. I do like Gabe the most. And like, I feel like Shakir is a guy that people will chase a little bit because he's been a little bit more productive. He's cheaper. Uh, but I, I do like Gabe a little bit more, but do you I have no see, problem with either of these guys. Do you see Slay locking up with Stefan Diggs? Do you think this is a potential shadow spot? Uh, maybe, but I also don't mind that, right? Like, I don't yeah. mind when elite guys get shadowed because if you're going to say, hey, you're going to put them on an island, like, it gives my guy a chance to make a play now. Like, mm -hmm. so I like it both ways. Like, it's, but uh, I don't know if they will do that. Um, but if they do, so be it. Yeah. And also, we have this kind of like five week stint of Stefan Diggs having less than optimal performance here. Uh, I don't see him garnering a lot of ownership. Actually, I want to check that real quick. Uh, while we're talking about it. Uh, I like him a lot from yeah. a top-down perspective. Yeah, sub-8% expected right now. So, yeah, love that. Love I mean, the last that. two weeks, the last two teams he faced, the Broncos and the Jets, allow the lowest rate of points they allow to the wide receiver position. Of yep. the points they allow, wide receivers score the fewest amount of points. So it makes sense he would have downer weeks. Like You would want him to have a higher floor than he had the two weeks he had. But now he faces a team in the Philadelphia Eagles. The highest rate of points they allowed on a per-game basis go to wide receivers. 63% of the points they allow go to wide receivers. We saw on Monday night there was an opportunity for the Chiefs wide receivers to have by far their best game of the season. <laughs> yes. They left a lot of it on the table. But, man, like the Chiefs wide receivers theoretically could have had the best cheap wide receiver game of the season against the Eagles. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, MVS, man. That was uh, That was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Justin Watson, even three drops, dude. Anyway, we digress. Um, we've got about nine minutes left. 
Is there any other, do you want to talk about the Rams Cardinals? Is there any other game here in the early slate that you want to talk about? I just want to talk Rams Cardinals from like a, a game theory stance of, you know, obviously that's going to be the game. If your one o'clock guys fail, you're going to have to look to make pivots there in that game, obviously versus bills, Eagles. And that's yeah. why it stands out. It also stands out because I think a lot of the pieces are in good spots on the, I'm using this from the Rams side, but they're mm-hmm. all going to be kind of come with question marks, right? Like Kyron Williams, we there will be some hesitation based on you know what is his initial workload. Obviously, people yeah. had what happened to David uh, Devon Devon A. Chan last week. They don't want that to happen yeah. again this week. Uh, and then both Nakua and Cup are probably going to play under the Q tag. So like that's always going to add like a, a an element where those guys come in a little bit under on too. So like if you're if you're trying to catch points. Your one PMs fail. Like I think Cup, Nakua, Kyron Williams, those are going to be the guys you're going to want to be focused on. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the also an interesting aspect of that is the last time these two teams played. You look at all the way back in Week Six. This was uh, Cooper Cup's best game of the season. This was a game where um, Kyron Williams went bonkers for 158 yards and a score. Um, and this was a game where uh, Puka Nakua was kind of playing third fiddle here. Only the seven targets, only four catches for 26 yards. So, um, again, are people going to be looking at, you know, box score watching from this spot? Um, I think on paper, it is very clearly Kyron Williams and then. Uh, but again, like you said, we have that uh, that kind of ambiguity associated with his expected opportunity share. If I were a betting man, knowing... Sean McVay and knowing what he has done in the past, I would say that Kyron Williams returns to a rather robust role here. Um, They released uh, Henderson. They released him this week, uh, which poor one out for him, man. He just did nothing but come in and do what the team asked of him and then got shit canned Uh, either way. Um, But who are they going to give? Are they going to give Royce Freeman touches? Are they going to give Zach Evans touches? Uh, over Kyron Williams? I think not is kind of where I'm at. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, and Kyron was so good in the pass game. And, and not as from a yeah. catching pass perspective, but as a pass protector, like he was just trusted. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was one of my big things. I think when we came on the show the week that everyone, when Zach Evans was looking like his me chalk, and then obviously yeah. we got word he wasn't going to play. And my big thing was like, hey, man, like Kyron's doing all this pass protection. They're not going to have a rookie do it. Uh, and so like, I think that's the role, like that's going to get him obviously the gateway, right. To get more snaps. I wasn't Royce Reagan's played well in the weeks he was absent, but McVeigh has been yeah. a relatively honest coach. He was honest with, with, with cup. Uh, and he yep. said the goal is for Kyron to come back and the, they would love for him to have the same role he had to assume the same role if he's capable of holding up to that. So that would be, uh, that would be it. And he's in neither site like kept him cheap. So, I mean, I think people will be hesitant, especially what happened to uh, HN last week. Real quick before we go, I want to quickly talk about Pittsburgh and Cincinnati because I think this game is going to go largely overlooked um, in this AFC showdown in cold weather and potential wind and snow, maybe. So, we just had T. Higgins got ruled out. We know that. Um, Jalen Warren is kind of taking over this lead back role. I mean, they called him the starter in consecutive weeks uh, and he still, he saw 15 carries and nine carries, but he's gone over hundred yards in consecutive weeks here and scored Um, on the other side of that. Is this a case with T Higgins out where it's just like, I'm playing Jamar chase. I don't care who his quarterback is. Um, Very interesting. Are you seeing any upside here? 
it's really hard, right? We've been in this boat like kind of all season. It's kind of been the MO for what we've seen uh, all year for like quarterback play, right? Like we had the week with with the Rams guys we talked about with Brett Ripien. We've had yeah. Garrett Wilson the entire season. We've seen Devontae Adams, right? Like we've seen a lot of DeAndre Hopkins with Will Levis. Like uh, we've seen a lot of these guys that are clearly like wide receivers that are premier talents be kind of dragged into kind of this like unknown volatilities and we uh, dj Moore, tyson bajant when he took over like it's just been kind yeah. of the theme of the season so like does jamar does that happen to jamar chase is he now just like one of these like wide receiver two types and the other thing with it too with the jake browning is like he gonna let it go because we've seen zach taylor even with joe burrow like he'll call a very condensed game like yeah. we've seen this before and that gives me a little bit of pause warren i think becomes very interesting on this slate though because his, the running back coach Eddie Faulkner is taking over play calling duties. So, like, does that is that like a pro or a, uh, we don't really know? Like, is that a pro or like a, a negative? Is he, yeah. is he a guy that's been clamoring for more Najee or is he's like, hey man, like now, like now I'm gonna unleash this dude? Uh, and the Bengals have yeah. been a team literally targeted every week. So, I think Jalen Warren becomes a very intriguing guy on this slate. It's an interesting dynamic there in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, yeah. they have the they have the the quarterbacks coach who's taking over the offensive coordinator duties, but it's going to be the former running backs coach that's going to be calling plays. Very interesting dynamic. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> Fifty four. No, I don't either. But like, I yeah. know that he's in. A, we have an explosive player versus a team that gives up a ton of explosive runs. And yeah. like, if you tell me like going in in a game that we know it's probably going to be like relatively go through the backs anyways. Like, I even imagine yeah. the new quarterbacks coach like they're not gonna say like we're gonna win this game by kenny pickett completing 40 passes i don't think like we're gonna see a culture shift like that uh so is it a thing where they want to inherently run the football like a couple weeks ago when they played green bay they kind of tipped their their handle it's like hey if we're up like we will run so if he just gets to like say you can get like 15 to 17 touches for jalen warren that's a significant difference between 9 to 12 like kind of where he's been (laughs) yeah 100 percent um, both backs, I'll leave it with this. Both backs are viable in this spot. We saw Joe Mixon see five to five targets in his last time out. We've know Jake Browning is not necessarily known as a <laughs> NFL pro caliber ready quarterback. Uh, so we could see some He's been in the league since 2019. Yeah. Yeah. He has. Um, yes. <laughs> I won't say what I was going to say. It's the first time we've seen him. It's the (laughs) first time we've seen him actually play. And he's been in the NFL since 2019. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Um, (laughs) But I think um, also in that same discussion, I do think that Jamar Chase is highly intriguing. Um, With T Higgins out, is this a spot where Jake Browning is just going to only get through his first read, which is likely to be at a high rate Jamar Chase. Um, And I think it correlates well with Jalen Warren. I know um, the Bengals are their their odds to make the postseason went down dramatically um, Mm -hmm. after the Joe Burrow injury, but they're not they're not out of the picture uh, just yet. So do they still make a push? Do I I don't know. Um, But if they do and if they're in a negative game script here, um, I have to think that a solid chunk of the pass game usage is going to go through Jamar Chase. Um, so I think this is a high upside potential here um, in that same discussion of where are we paying up for? That is a potential option. Oh, yeah. Rich, that was a blast as always, man. Do you have any parting shots for us? Uh, no, that pretty much. I think we pretty much covered like most of it. It's kind of a unique slate where it's, you know, even I don't know exactly where I'm going to hone my running back uh 
like layout, right? Like even I don't have a firm grasp of really how yeah. I want to attack the running back position. And anytime that happens, it makes for kind of a unique uh, slate because we could just see a lot of volatility in terms of how teams are building rosters this week, right? Or like, or if you just had the right players, right? It could just be where we're all inherently building similar rosters. And did you pick the right guys at 6K? Uh, yeah uh, that's really that. where that's where a chunk of the running back ownership is likely to come from that like 6500 to 6k range so uh very interesting yeah, derrick henry's in there do we can we just we mention derrick henry i mean they can yeah. kind of cure all we're, we're running out of games where the titans are going to be home favorites this year i can definitely yes. tell you that <laughs> and it's after thanksgiving you, know, you look at the look at the splits man five and a half yards per carry something crazy uh after thanksgiving um anyway man that was a blast thank you again for joining us you know where to find us get those questions in we'll answer them uh to the best of our abilities and this was another great show presented by one week season and sharp football analysis we'll see you guys one week season